The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us on the phone is current congressman from Florida and former governor of Florida, Charlie Crist. Thank you so much for being here. Good morning, Zerlina. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be with you. So one of the things I've been thinking about um, as I was preparing to talk to you today is you know, how Florida in so many ways, I was talking about the state of Wisconsin earlier in the show, and about how in this country, we're undergoing really significant demographic shifts um, that are creating, you know, a lot of battleground states uh, that used to be red, like Georgia, Texas, Arizona. Um, And Florida is always one of those states that is incredibly close when there are statewide uh, elections for governor, for Senate, uh, for president. Every year we're watching Florida. When you look at the state of things on the ground in Florida, um, how are you going to go about working to build a multiracial coalition across the state of Florida um, that can beat the current governor, Ron DeSantis? Well, you hit the nail on the head, Zerlina. Um you know, we are one of the most diverse states in the country, and I think that's really a blessing from God. And the fact that we have so much diversity, I think there's great strength in that. And so I've been reaching out to all groups in our state, uh, you know, men, women, uh, people of color, uh, Jamaicans, Haitians. You know, we have people come here from the Midwest and, and from the uh, Caribbean and, and all parts. And I think that's one of our greatest strengths. Uh, that's why in our campaign we have so many uh, different groups represented uh, in upper leadership, and I'm very proud of that. When I served as governor the first time, uh, I had many uh, people of color in the administration as secretaries. Uh, Walt McNeil was our secretary of the Department of Corrections, an African-American. Uh, Frank Peterman, a pastor in St. Petersburg now, a former state representative, African-American, served as secretary of Department of Juvenile Justice. Uh, I appointed an African-American to the Florida Supreme Court. Justice James Perry of Orlando did a great job. These are the things that I think need to be done in order to make sure that the diversity of Florida is celebrated and united. And that gives us the greatest opportunity to have a new governor after November the 8th. It's it's so important to, to think through these issues in a moment like this when we're having all of these shift, demographic shifts in Florida, um, as you noted, um, is is it's a beautiful thing to see um, all of that diversity throughout the state of Florida. Um, but one of the things that's happening right now, as I think personally, it's my opinion, is a backlash to those shifts and the emerging political power of communities of color is the attacks on teaching of American history, critical race theory, um, lies about critical race theory being taught in American schools that are not colleges and law schools. Um, And also Florida's uniquely 
horrible don't say gay, so-called don't say gay law. Um, can you talk about the way in which Florida has become, you know, obviously it's the demographics are shifting and, and we've talked about why that's amazing, but also because of that, it's become a battleground and a, really a place where the governor is playing in the culture wars space um, every day. No question about it. He's definitely doing that. I mean, he's targeted LGBTQ, you know, kids in school and chastising them. Uh, he has made it very difficult, more difficult for African-Americans to cast their vote. You know, I had the privilege and honor to serve with John Lewis, a great civil rights leader, God rest his soul, from Georgia. And Zerlina, he used to always tell me and anybody who would listen, you know, your right to vote is precious. In fact, it's probably so much so that it's sacred. And he was right. And so we have to make sure that uh, we all vote. It's like President Obama used to say, um, you know, when we vote, we win. And he's right. And, and I think that what we need to do as Floridians is make sure that everybody casts their ballot. Everybody gets their vote in. You know, we have a primary August the 23rd. Early voting started in, in most counties on Monday. Mail-in ballots were going out the week before. So there's a great opportunity to have a surge. And you're right. There's an element in not just Florida, but throughout the country where some people are concerned about the rising tide of people of color. And it's heartbreaking to see that because we're all children of God, after all. And the notion that, you know, one group would be pitted against another, which is what DeSantis does on a daily basis, is wrong. It is absolutely wrong to do that. We need a uniter. We need to be united. Uh, we live in a magnificent country that offers so much hope and so much opportunity that we have a duty to protect that. And I think that's what John Lewis was talking about when he spoke about the right to vote and how truly important it is. And so my plea is that every Floridian get out, cast your ballot, cast your vote. As, as John Lewis would say, your, your vote is your voice. And he was absolutely correct. In terms of DeSantis's tenure, one of the things that I've no I've talked about before on the show, but I've noted um, recently because of some of the moves he's made against corporations that he thinks are quote too woke, um, is that you, his his tenure is there's a lot of re retribution and revenge. It feels like he's mean spirited in some of his moves in terms of punishing people when they do something he doesn't like or cross him. Um, do you see his administration as one that is wielding power sort of in revenge or to punish uh, political enemies? And, you know, how dangerous do you think that is for for the people in Florida? Well, that's exactly what he's doing, Zerlina. You've identified it very, very well. And it is dangerous. It's a, a it's a crazy abuse of power. The most recent example is he's trying to fire a duly elected state attorney, Andrew Warren, a friend of mine mm -hmm. uh, in Hillsborough County, Tampa, Florida. And it, it's one of the most abusive uh, overreaches of power I've seen. I know it's unconstitutional, and I'm sure that Andrew will get uh, reinstated to office once they get to a court. Um, but he's done it to Walt Disney World, too. I mean, mm -hmm. they dared to voice their concern about a law that the governor was supporting, the Don't Say Gay Act. And as a result, he attacked Walt Disney World, uh, trying to remove their district um, representation as it was established to lure Disney World to Florida, which would mean almost $2 billion in additional taxes for Orange County and Osceola County 
uh, residents as a result. And he's also attacked our cruise industry in the Sunshine State, suing them for simply wanting to make sure that their customers uh, were not sick so they wouldn't spread it on a cruise. Uh, you know, he's the most anti-business Republican governor I've ever seen. Uh, and it is an abuse of power. It is uh, revenge, no question about it. If you go against him, he goes against you. He did it to our school districts as well. I mean, when students were wanting to wear masks in school at the height of the pandemic, and he, he you know, said, I'm going to take $200 million away from those districts who do that. I mean, it just doesn't end. And, and Floridians are tired of it. They want a governor who has a heart, a governor who has compassion, a governor who will unite us again. And that's why I'm running for governor, because I love this state and I love our people. When he took on Disney, what were you thinking? Because I, I, when, when I first saw that he had sort of set up this fight with Disney, I was like, I don't know who wins out because of the, the just the importance, as you you laid out, of, of Disney to the economy of the state of Florida. And you said $2 billion. I want to sort of hone in on that point. $2 billion we're talking about. Um, did you think he was going to lose the fight? Do you think he lost the fight? Maybe he didn't, he doesn't realize it yet because it seems like that was not a fight that was smart to pick. If you are going to be the governor of the state of Florida. I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, I grew up with Disney and I can remember the first time going to Disney world as a kid. I live in St. Petersburg, which is on the West coast of Tampa Bay area and going over with my mom and dad and my three sisters and it was an amazing experience. We stayed at the Contemporary Resort, and, and just I was in awe the whole time. And the notion that you would go after such a revered institution in our state uh, that is, has done so much. The largest employer in Florida is Disney. And the notion that you would do that, you know, it's like, what won't you do to try to score political points for was obviously his run for president in 2024? And trying to secure the Republican nomination and out Trump Trump. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think I think the question has been asked and answered. You can't out Trump Trump. I don't know why people try, but um, I guess, right. he, <laughs> you know, at the at the expense of the, his constituents, he's he's trying very hard. But I don't I just do not think it is actually possible to do that. Um Somebody should tell people so that they they stop trying. Um, One of the other big things that has happened um, in the past few weeks is obviously the Dobbs decision. And Florida is it's not one of the states that we've been talking about in the last week in terms of Kansas and Indiana. But with Ron DeSantis at the helm um, and the fact that um, abortion has been banned, um, at least according to what the Supreme Court says the law is right now. Um, you have so many people down in the bottom part of the country with no access, barely any access to health care. Um, how important do you think it is um, to change that, to ensure that the people in Florida um, have the full slate of reproductive health care options? Um, you know, how have you evolved personally on that issue as well? And also, what do you think um, is the role of the governor of Florida in protecting those rights going forward? Well, I'm an adamant pro-choice uh, person. I think that it is very important that we respect a woman's right to choose. I've got a hundred percent rating from Planned Parenthood as a member of Congress for almost six years now. Also NARAL a hundred percent rating because of my position on reproductive rights for women. Uh, and I think that's critical. And I have said, 
that on the first day of the Chris administration, I will sign an executive order protecting a woman's right to choose. But I won't stop there. Uh, if we have a uh, adverse ruling from the Florida Supreme Court on the law that Governor DeSantis signed, which does limit after 15 weeks, but it goes further than that, uh, Zerlina. It says that there's no exception for rape or incest. It is absolutely unconscionable and barbaric, frankly. Uh, and so, you know, if we have to go to the courts, we go to the legislature. I'll sign the executive order, as I said, on day one. Uh, you know, it's all hands on deck to protect a woman's right to choose and make sure that that freedom, true freedom, uh, exists in the Sunshine State. Because as you say, you're right. In the South, it's difficult to find a place where a woman can choose her own health care and make her own decision. And so Florida has to stand as a beacon when I'm elected as governor. Uh, as I say on the first day, I'll sign that executive order to protect a woman's right to choose because it is so important uh, and something we, we must do and must defend. In terms of, you know, what the governor can do, what are, are you considering things that you could do if you are elected um, to protect rights. I mean, obviously, Florida is not California. Florida is not New York or Connecticut. Um, but perhaps there are things you could do even through executive action. Have you considered, you know, the full slate of options? And what would have you what have you thought about being possible? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And, and it leads to the executive order I talked about. I made that mm-hmm. announcement in Orlando probably a month and a half ago. And was proud to be standing with a great state representative, mm-hmm. Anna Eskimo, who's a great progressive. And uh, she said, look, you know, we can trust Charlie on this. Uh, he's always acted this way when he was governor, even as a Republican previously. He vetoed an anti-abortion bill. Uh, as a member of the state legislature, when he first got involved in politics, she said, you know, Charlie was on the health care committee and he voted no against a 24-hour waiting period for a woman to make a decision mm-hmm. And that killed the bill in the committee. It never went to the Senate floor because of Charlie's vote. So as a state senator, as governor, now as a member of Congress with 100 percent rating from Planned Parenthood and announcing that we'll do an executive order on the first day of my second administration to protect a woman's right to choose. Those are the things that we have to be ready uh, to do. And if it if need be, even a constitutional amendment. Uh, Florida has a very strong right to privacy clause, more so than the U.S. Constitution. So I'm hopeful the Florida Supreme Court will respect that. They need to and they should. Um, but if not, then we'll amend our Constitution, gather the signatures necessary, uh, and make sure that it's embedded in our Constitution in a more ironclad way if need mm. be. At this point, it's like, you know, having the plan ready to go um, is very important. The last thing I want to ask you about this morning um, is a question that I just thought about uh, early when I woke up. (laughs) Um, Uh And you were the governor of Florida before. Um, We just learned this week that the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago. It was a shock to all of us. And for five minutes or so, maybe even 10, nobody really knew which investigation it was related to. I feel like that is actually a story in and of itself. That for, for like 10 minutes, we were like, which FBI investigation is this? related to in in terms of the former president that's saying a lot um but as given your experience would the governor of florida have known about that kind of raid before it happened not necessarily i mean you know it depends Uh, sometimes you get a heads up and sometimes you don't Mm -hmm. and i don't know exactly what the circumstances were here but i know this no one's above the law not even a former president 
And if the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the Department of Justice feel there's a need to see what documents or what type of items uh, were at the residence, then they have to get probable cause. You're a lawyer like I am. And probable cause is necessary, and a judge had to make that ruling. And so the proper steps were respected, uh, carried out, and I think it's uh, a worthy investigation that deserves a conclusion. I mean, it is the most important investigation in our history. Um, How have you been processing what you've been seeing at the January 6th hearings? Obviously, um, you're in the Congress. I don't know. um, I I, I did not see in any of my uh, preparation whether or not you were in the building on January 6th or not. Um, So let us know what your experience was like. But given what we saw over the course of eight hearings and now the committee's on a break, but it feels like the hearings definitely had an impact because the FBI is searching places and seizing phones. Um, What have you taken away in terms of sort of your top lines um, about what happened here and the need for accountability? Um, And then let us know where you were on January 6th, because actually I don't know the answer to that. Sure, sure. Well, I was in uh, Washington. Uh, I was not in the Capitol per se. I was across the street. I had to get a new photo for my congressional ID. And so I was in the Rayburn building right across the street from Mm -hmm. the Capitol and emerged probably around quarter of 12 or 12 o'clock. You know, everything that went down hadn't gone down at that point. I was going to the Cannon building where my office is uh, and two uh, Capitol police officers stood in front of my car with their palm, you know, hands up, palms up. Uh, indicating, please stop. Of course, we did. And the female officer came up to the window and said, Congressman, uh, you can't go in that building. I said, my office is in there. I said, what's happening? She said, we just found a pipe bomb across the street. She said, Congressman, you need to get out of here. I said, yes, ma'am. And so drove away, went down Constitution Avenue. And that's right down Capitol Hill. I looked out to the right and I saw this rush of people coming up Capitol Hill, literally Capitol Hill, toward the Capitol with Trump flags and what have you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? And got home to my apartment five or ten minutes later, turned on the television and watched this whole thing unfold with the rest of America and probably the rest of the world. It was unbelievable. But I think the hearings are extremely important. Getting to the truth is is a matter of justice. And I'm so proud of my colleagues for what they're doing and uh, grateful for their courage. It's really, really um, kind of wild to hear. Um, you're like, I was getting a picture from my ID and there was an attack on the Capitol. Like, it, it, what an amazing time in American history. When you think about the importance of um, accountability, when you think about January 6th, um, if there isn't accountability, like if there are no charges for, I mean, not even just Donald Trump, I'm not just thinking about him specifically, but in the last two minutes here, when you think about the need for accountability for every single person that was responsible for what we saw on that tragic day, if there isn't, what is, what's the danger in that, in your view? Well, that would be very dangerous, and I think we need accountability, obviously. Uh, that's critical to our system of justice. And, you know, the notion that somebody would be engaged in that activity and not have a consequence is, is unconscionable to me. It's something I can't even fathom. So I I know that the Attorney General, the Department of Justice, the FBI are working methodically. It it certainly looks like it, and and in a very serious fashion. I'm glad that they are. They need to. The American people deserve the truth, and there must be consequences for what happened because somebody tried to get rid of our democracy. And that is uh, something we cannot stand for, 
I mean, look what the Ukrainian people are doing, mm-hmm. fighting for democracy with their very lives. And here in the United States of America, we had a group that wanted to take down our democracy, not honor uh, the vote and the will of the people. And that's what I'm fighting for in Florida. And if anybody wants to help us join the fight, go to charliechris.com. We've got to win this election. The future of democracy is at stake in the Sunshine State. Democratic candidate for governor in the state of Florida, former governor uh, in the state of Florida, and current congressman, Charlie Chris. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been great to have you on, and it was a really important conversation. This is such a uh, monumental time in American history. Um, and every morning, <laughs> I just uh, sometimes have to take a couple of deep breaths, but it's, it's so helpful um, to talk through these issues uh, with candidates who are running for office in what is still a democracy, thankfully. Um, so thank you so much for being here this morning. Please stay safe. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been great to be with you. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.